0: And bonjour all you gardening cats and gators. Welcome to the November 30th show. So as you know, I just got back from Japan. And I want to thank Nita Joe Roundtree for uh, doing the show while I was gone. And uh, from all the reports I got, she did a terrific job. So that's just great. So I've got a great guest I'm going to put on in a few minutes here. But I thought what I'd do first... uh I made a little boop here that I got to straighten out. But I'll get that in a minute. What I do first is tell you a little bit about uh, Japan because it is so cool there. It's unbelievable. So, all right, I got it all straightened out. Sorry about that. That's what happens when you travel. You come back you go, what am I doing? Okay, so first of all, I got to tell you that this was one of the most fun and interesting and best tours that I think I've ever done. I've done 19 international garden tours now. Okay, 17 international, two uh, baseball gardening tours in the United States. But uh, this was one of the best. I really, really loved it. And if you haven't ever gone to Japan, I really recommend it. It is this incredible mix of high-tech and traditional like you have never seen. And, you know, uh, one thing I'll tell you, I, I went to Hiroshima. We all went there in my group. And uh, it's a hard place to go and see, but I really recommend it if you uh, go to Japan because I think we all should visit that place and and think about that. But uh, uh, I'll tell you what, in Japan they have some of the most beautiful gardens imaginable. Japanese gardens don't have any flowers, hardly at all in them. You get the cherry blossoms in the spring. you get some azaleas but uh and right now, the fall colors to die for so if you left like November uh you know nine or sometime around then went up there, go to Kyoto and uh you know some of those areas like that, you won't believe even Tokyo had great fall color. And, uh, but uh, Japanese gardens, the thing about them is you can never see the whole garden from one spot. Every time you come around the corner, you get a whole new vista and a big surprise. So they're really fantastic. And one of the things I loved about it. Now, I got to tell you that uh, Japanese people evidently don't do online shopping. Oh, la, la. You have never seen bigger malls and department stores in your life. And they have everything you can imagine up to the most high-tech things, really beautiful kimonos, you name it. And there is a restaurant. I think there's one per every square foot. <laughs> I have never seen more restaurants in my life. And uh, so interestingly, uh the person who uh, we hired to lead our group was an Australian guy, and I was really concerned about having an Australian guy lead us through Japan. Well, uh, his name's Craig. He's one of the best guides I've ever met. He's been married to a, a Japanese woman for 13 years, speaks perfect Japanese. And uh, I'll tell you what, he picked our, uh, all our restaurants and uh, I we only had two nights that we went out for restaurants on our own. Uh, every restaurant he picked were the coolest hole-in-the-wall restaurants you've ever seen. And there was 20 of us. And not once was there a Western person in the restaurant. And one of the nights when we had to go find our own restaurant, Mary got out the guidebook and found a noodle place. And we went there. Not one Japanese person in the restaurant, only Western people. So Craig leads tours for small groups, and I told him I'm going to mention that because and sort of information is on my website. We have a real pretty picture of Japan on there too. So if you he he'll lead small groups. I don't know how big a group, and the way we did it was all on trains and things like that, so it was really cool, and uh, I think he's just the best. So you can go to my website, and you'll see that uh, you can find out how to contact him if you have any interest. Finally, just a couple other things. you got to take a bullet train before you die, you know. 185 miles per hour, just zipping right through the middle of Japan, and smooth as silk. But I think one of the most exciting things were sitting in this train station. One went on the middle track right through the train station at 185 miles an hour. I couldn't believe my eyes. You could feel the wind for like five minutes after it went by. So really, really cool. The last thing I'll say is a lot of people ask me, what do you think of the food? Well, you know, I'm not the bravest eater I've ever met. And uh, sashimi, I was a little nervous about the raw fish. So the first time they served it, uh, I right away, I, it had a lot of sauce on it and this raw tuna. And I dipped it in the sauce and I ate it. But that kind of cold texture is like, oh! so So uh, this is a big faux pas in Japan. But whatever we ate, they always had a little pot out there, a hot pot with a sterno thing under it. So people could cook cook their raw meat. So there was ham or uh, 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 pork and there was uh, uh, beef and they'd put it in the hot pad, hot thing to cook it. So when no one was looking, I'd throw all that fish in there. (laughs) Then it was a little hard to get out with my chopsticks, but oh, it tastes so good once you cook it. (laughs) So all I could say... The weather was beautiful, except for in Tokyo. There's 38 million people in the in the Tokyo metropolitan area, so there's a lot of people there. But uh, it rained there. But the rest of the trip was beautiful weather, 50s or 60s. So this is a great time to go to Japan, to say the least. All right, but it's wonderful to be back too, you know. And uh, so right now, I am going to. Put Alyssa Henry on the air. Great. Hey, Alyssa, how are you doing? And thanks for uh, waiting through me, blabbing away about my trip.
1: No problem, Cisco. It's great to be on.
0: Oh, hey, it's great to have you on. Now, I wanted to have you on because you're the volunteer programs manager for the Arboretum Foundation, and you're playing a huge role in Gifts and Greens Glore, right? Yes, I am. So, you know, I've been going to that forever. Do you know this is, by the way, for everybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's called the Gifts and Greens Glore Sale. It's held in the Arboretum at the Graham Visitor Center. It's coming up uh Saturday, December seventh from ten to three. So way back early in my gardening career, I always made my own reefs and swags and things. And I knew that uh the Gifts and Greens Glore Sale had the best selection of greens and pine cones and berries, anything you can find. So I always went to your sale. And how long have you been doing this sale? Do you know how long it's been going? I
1: can't remember exactly how long the sale has been going. It's been uh, quite a few different forms of it. Uh, As volunteers have stepped up, they've taken on different parts of it. And the current iteration of it has been going on for four years.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, because you've added a lot to it. In the old days, when I first went, that's all there was, was a bunch of greens. Hardly ever, but a few volunteers would make a really cool wreath. So if you wanted to buy one, you could. If you don't want to make your own But it's really changed now, huh?
1: It has changed, yeah. Now the biggest thing that we advertise for is that we have these handmade wreaths, um, wreaths made by a dedicated group of volunteers who've been participating in the sale in one form or another since its beginning.
0: Some of those wreaths are so spectacular. So, you know, I used to make my own. Then the volunteers started making really cool ones, so I thought I could fool my mom because I always send her a wreath. So I thought, I can fool my mom by buying one. But you know what I did to fool her? I stuck Brussels sprouts on it. Because she'd know nobody would make a a wreath with Brussels sprouts but me. But it wasn't a good idea. I have to warn everybody (laughs) listening, don't do that. Because they get kind of ripe when they start to get a little old on the... People would come to the door and go, what is that smell? So I definitely (laughs) recommend don't just buy the wreath. Admit to your mom you bought it because it's worth it. (laughs) I agree. Hey, so what are you going to have for sale? And You're still going to have a million greens and uh, berries and all that for do-it-yourselfers, right?
1: Oh, absolutely! We have greens bundles that have been put together by some of those same dedicated volunteers. Uh, they pick through our selections of greens that have been donated from the arboretum and greens that have been donated from community members, and they hand select to create these beautiful bundles, um, all of different price range. You know, so there's something for everyone. Um, we'll also have some handmade centerpieces using those same greens, as well uh, as our okay. you know our fantastic handmade wreaths.
0: Yeah, the volunteers make some incredible things. So over the last few years I've noticed you've had some crafts and things. Are you going to have those kind of things again this year? Or?
1: We'll have a few crafts. Uh lately we have been trying to move um a lot of the gifts as part of the gifts and greens along to items that are available in our gift shop um because oh. we get you know we get so many compliments on our great gifts and so we thought what better way to give people a chance to support Um, local businesses, and the Arboretum, then to offer a wide selection of really unique botanical gifts and other nature-inspired gifts.
0: So those will be in the gift shop, which I assume is going to be open when uh, the Gifts and Greens Glore sale is going on.
1: Oh, it will be. We also actually are taking over Wisteria Hall. That's the the big meeting room inside the Center, and that is going to be filled to the top with unique gift selections.
0: Oh, la, la. Well, this is starting to sound better and better here, you know. and uh, Isn't it? It really is. And, you know, this Saturday, November 30, is Small Business Saturday, so you're helping nursery things when you shop there. But uh, going to shop at Gifts and Greens Galore, not only are you going to find all these unique and interesting gifts, you're really supporting our wonderful arboretum at the same time.
1: You are. We also have one other thing that will be specially available during the holiday sale, and that's tickets to our opening night party and auction. And you come to this every year, Cisco, and, boy, you love it. But we just wanted to let everyone know that that, uh, tickets will be on sale, and you can buy them at the sale. This year's theme is going to be flower power.
0: Oh, man, that sounds great. So it uh, it, you got to wear blue uh, bell-bottom jeans to this? We're
1: encouraging it.
0: Yes, we are. I'll have to see if I've got any of those left over from my hippie days.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Somewhere in the back of the closet.
0: Oh, cool. Well, listen, hey, I so much appreciate your coming on, uh, Alyssa. It was really great, and I, I think it's really neat that you volunteer and help our great arboretum. It's one of the best ones in the whole country, and it's events like this that keep it going and keep it, one of the top gardens in our area. So uh, thanks a lot, and I'll say hi to you when I come to the sale, okay? Please
1: do. I'll be wearing a cat sweater,
0: Cat Uh, Christmas. Okay, it'll be easy to catch you, a cat sweater. All right, I'll be looking for it. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, Cisco. All right, bye-bye. Okay, everybody, we're going to take a break here, and... uh, on 97.3 Cairo FM. So, hey, I'll, I hope you'll give me a call, one 888 973 Cairo. one 973 5476 Of course, I've got a couple of uh, uh, emails if I need them, but it's always the funnest to uh, talk live to someone on the phone. So, hey, we'll be right back, 97.3 Cairo FM. Yeah. Okay, since nobody called in, I'm going to make you suffer one more really quick uh Japan story. And that is that it's super clean, you never see litter ever, and the people are so wonderful, kind and polite. So, uh my wife Mary is a linguist. She can go to France and speak French. She's real great at that. She could always manage to get through and down in Mexico or somewhere with Spanish and or Spain. And uh, she does pretty good with the Italian, even. But she didn't get any time to really learn her Japanese. And if you know a few words like domarigato, thank you very much. Uh, Ohio, good morning, konnichiwa, hello. You know, uh, those really make the people really happy. So we'd go to breakfast in the morning, and Mary didn't really know the language very good. She'd go, so it's Ohio, Kazimas. She'd go, "Ohaiita ita mas. And the people would start bowing and smiling. So I don't know what they thought she said, but they were very impressed. So So anyway, just so you know about that. Okay. Uh, All right. I've got some emails here. I think I better start with one of those. All right. So this was a very interesting uh, email I got from Barbara. So do you know what giant Himalayan lilies are? These are like 12 to 15 or 16-foot-tall lilies. They come from the Himalayan mountains. They're called Cardiocrinum uh, giganteum. So they're the biggest lily in the world. And, you know, well-fed ones I have seen like at Heronswood and things that are, you know, 15 feet tall. And what happens is, they bloom with a bunch of flowers on top that hang down like bells and they're real colorful they're white with red inside and so fragrant you can't believe it when they're done uh when they're done blooming an interesting thing sort of flowers hang down the seed pods all of a sudden stick up it's the weirdest thing you ever saw and even the seed pods are extremely ornamental now the only problem with it them is that if you buy one, you can expect to wait five years before you see it bloom. It gets bigger and bigger in your garden every year. And then after about five years, it'll grow right up there to a big height and bloom. And when it does, it's really fantastic. So it's probably worth it. Well, some Barbara got one just came up in her garden. She didn't even know what it was. They found out it was a Himalayan lily. It bloomed so they had seen something getting bigger bigger, but they didn't know what it was. It bloomed, and now the seeds are starting to fall out of those pods. She's going, how do I grow those from seed? It's really easy. So what you do is you take those seed pods and you sprinkle them around in a semi-shady, pretty bright shade area of the garden with really well-drained soil and just put the slightest bit of soil on top of them to hold them on the soil surface. Now, almost every time, if you do that right now, then about a million of them are going to come up, but it could take two years before they'll even come up. So they'll start coming up, and after they do, you're going to have to thin them out, you know, one per three feet, you know, when I'm closer than that. You can move the ones you thin. Here's the bad news. Uh, these Himalayan lilies die after they bloom, There are bulbs underneath, and you can transplant those. But if you grow them from seed, it's going to take two years before they come up, seven years before they ever bloom. Oh, la, la. But, hey, gardeners are patient. Okay, listen, uh, we're going to get to the news right now. But, Wanda, I appreciate your call. So you hang on the line on 97.3 FM, and we'll catch you right after that. Okay, hey, we're back, and uh, we got Wanda on the line over in Bothell. Hey, Wanda, what's happening in Bothell today? Oh, the sun is shining; it's a beautiful day. Yeah, it's been pretty cool out, huh? Nice.
2: It has. Thanks for taking my call, Cisco.
1: Oh, you
0: bet. Hey,
2: this is a—it's um, probably not the right season to be asking you this, but um, timing as well. But my rhododendron branches turn like turns towards the fall. We're turning yellow, and the more I watered them,
0: the yellower they got mm. towards the tip. And and is it so? It is a, Is it the ones that are way out at the end of the branches that are turning yellow?
2: Yeah, but some of them are working their way pretty working their way down to the core. Uh,
0: that's so not,
2: like, is that what I want to call it?
0: How long has that roadie been in your garden? Mm, about five years. Yeah. Well, I suspect, now, there could be a couple of things. So I'll give you a couple of things to look for first, all right? So uh, there is a bug that's attacking rhododendrons now. right now. It's called the rhododendron lace bug. There's an azalea lace bug, too. And uh, so if you take a leaf that doesn't look too good and you turn it over, and if you see what look like tar spots on the back of the leaf, You've got yeah. that bug, and it just, it's really hard on rhododendrons. So the little there's These little bugs, are really small, they're about an eighth inch. They have clear wings, they're flat, and they suck the juice out of the leaves. And if you have that, the only thing you can do to save your, uh, your rhodi is you're going to have to spray like crazy next year when new growth starts. So as soon as new growth starts you'd have to get something like Rose Defense or that's an a uh, very ornament um environmentally friendly oil but uh there are other uh, environmentally friendly oils that you could try as well and uh, like all season it, it, it's all season you'll be spraying at least probably once a month every other month at the very least so let's hope you don't have that, but uh, All right. no. what if I,
2: if I do, cutting it back with that,
0: that pump, might uh, it might help to cut it back. That, that might help if that's what the problem is. You could have powdery mildew in there too, and on the back you see this kind of powdery mildew stuff you smell it. it smells like mildew, and that one you only have to spray once. Rose Defense would work for that, but you gotta spray right when the new leaves are halfway out or you have to spray twice. And once again when the new leaves are all the way out, and that'll stop that for the whole year if you do that.
2: But rose defense?
0: Yeah. You could buy that at all the good nurseries. But okay. I have this horrible feeling that it's something else. I how is your soil at your house? Is it pretty hard stuff?
2: Yeah, we keep adding every year. I mean, not in some of those areas, but, yeah, we we don't we don't have the best soil, but we have brought soil in. Uh,
0: so well, we if – More? Okay, now, if you built a berm out of good soil and planted that roadie up on top of that, so almost all the roots are above that clay cruddy stuff, then roadies do really well as long as the berm's really big. But if it's down there in clay – And it's not draining very well, or soil that just doesn't drain well, that just slowly but surely rots the roots on rhododendrons. And that, the problem you got sounds a lot like a root rot starting to move into that roadie.
2: So if you don't see. Huh? Would there be competition? I have like English laurel in front of it or behind it.
0: Well, I don't think that's the problem. I, English laurel could take pretty cruddy soil, but rhododendrons are real shallow rooted and they can't stand sitting in water. And the problem is, in our rainy winters, the water builds up around the roots, and a lot of times, that's what causes the, the problem. Now, I'm not sure that's what it is, but uh, okay. it sounds a lot like that, and... If it's too bad, if the plant really looks like it's going downhill, I think what I'd do is I would bring in some really good soil. I'd uh, very carefully dig this up and throw it in a compost pile and go buy a roadie you love and plant it up on a big berm, and you'll have it for years.
2: Okay. All right. Well, you say that about rodies. What do I do about my rhodes that are blooming? It seems like my light lavender rhodes and azaleas are blooming.
0: Isn't that weird? You know, they're all confused this year. I think what happened, we got that really, really dry weather in November, and it got pretty warm out, and then it got rainy, and the rhodes and azaleas and a few other plants went, huh, it's been warm it's been dry, now it's raining, it must be spring. So the poor guys are blooming way out of season. Now, there's nothing you could do about that, but what you hope is it doesn't bloom too heavily, so enjoy the flowers in fall because those flowers are done for the year. They So if you've got a million flowers on a roadie, enjoy it now because they're not going to hardly have any next spring you know so that's okay, the they problem won't.
2: they won't they won't they can't reproduce
0: that fast no you know rodies what they do is they after they're done blooming uh, as soon as the flowers fade they start putting out new growth in spring yeah. and on that new growth they set a bud so uh but unfortunately these rodies aren't going to put out any new growth till next spring so, those flowers are done, and they aren't going to produce new ones and you won't get those until a whole year later so uh, that it,
2: makes sense okay, well, that's a bummer, but it is what it is right
0: yeah it's it is what it is, but hey, you know, uh, one thing's nice: you could kind of show everybody what a garden expert you are. you even get your roadies to bloom and fall, hardly anyone could do that, you know
2: <laughs> <It is. laughs> that's right that's. That's a great idea. Thank you. Hey,
0: you're welcome. Hey, Wanda, I really appreciate your call.
2: Thank you. Have a great weekend.
0: Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, listen, I think we're going to uh, take a break here. So uh, when we come back, I'll see if we get any calls, one Otherwise, I have two really good emails that I can put right up. So uh, we'll see which way it goes on seven three Cairo FM. Let's head to Enumclaw and find out what's going on with Janet. Hey, Janet, how are you?
3: Hey, I'm great, Cisco. How are you?
0: Oh, fantastic. Thanks.
3: Oh, well, I have an issue. We're building a new house out here. We've lived out here for about 40 years, and we're building a new house not very far from here, and we have an absolute gorgeous Japanese maple uh-huh. It was, uh, my husband planted it the day that one of our daughters was born oh, boy. 37 years ago.
0: Yeah. That's a big one, then.
3: Yeah, and um, it you know dropped, and we had little seedlings all over, and last year I tried to dig them up, put them in pots, and uh, winter them over in little spots under our deck, and unfortunately, I forgot about them and didn't water them. Oops. And <laughs> now, I have Uh, about four of them in the yard that I've covered with the leaves from the maple, not covered, but up against, not quite to the edge, so they could get some water. And then I took a few and I transplanted them into pots, and they're sitting kind of out of the weather. They do get light and everything. Um, I'm wondering, am I doing the right thing to be able to winter those over so I can transplant them to our new home? I think
0: you're doing the perfect thing. But there are a couple of key things to keep in mind. So what size pot do you have these little seedlings in?
3: Um, Well, I would say the seedling right now, it it still just has one set of leaves on it. And it's in a probably a, I don't know, four-inch pot. Um, Inside, another pot with soil, a bigger pot with soil around it.
0: Here's here's what I think you can do. And I know this is going to sound crazy because most of the time I never recommend something like this. I think you could get like a 12-inch pot and plant each one in a 12-inch pot. Okay,
3: Be, like put all of them in the one pot?
0: No, put each one in its own. Okay. Because uh, they're going to grow fast when they start growing in the spring. Uh-huh. You, and, but what I'm most worried about is if by any chance they, it freezes, it could kill it because it's such a small pot. Yeah. So if you put it in a bigger pot and then have um with good potting soil, good drainage in the pot and then you know pile leaves up all around each of those pots including over the top a little bit but not not against the plant. Yeah. I think they'll just fly through the winter with no problem. And uh, you should be able to just dig those out whenever you want to and plant them where you want to put them.
3: All right. Now, so the one, the one that I have right now, it's on the front porch, and it's over overhang. And it has leaves all around it. And, you know, I kind of took the leaves up to about a half an inch around this little tiny plant. It still has leaf, its leaves on it. Leaves on it. The other ones that are planted in the garden obviously lost their leaves. Yeah. And they have mulch around them as well. So should I dig those ones out of the soil then and put them in 12-inch pots?
0: No, I think I'd leave those in the soil. I think they'll make it. I've moved a lot of those little seedlings, and most of the time I didn't pot them up at all. So if we found a great one at Seattle U, we just dug it out, found a great place to plant it, and popped it into the ground and, uh, but we put leaves around them so that if a really bad freeze came, it wouldn't, you know, go right down to the roots. But we never piled the leaves up on the trunk. Just we started right at the stem and then moved leaves up from there. And that worked really well. And just about everyone we ever tried to move, as long as this, the soil drained well, and, uh, you know, most. Japanese maples don't want real bacon hot full sun. They they're happier mm-hmm. in uh, like uh, nice light shade or morning sun. So if yeah. if, if you've that's got those, who knows?
3: that's one of the reasons we're moving is because we have a hundred plus fir trees that didn't used to be this tall when we moved in, and there's no sun on the property. So
0: oh uh, yeah yeah that's tough. You know I uh, I'm I don't know about you, but I'm a sun lover. And when I'm out working in the garden, I want to get tan, you know.
3: (laughs) Oh, it just feels so good. It just warms your soul. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. And then you get to grow all those incredible, almost tropical plants, you know, to Mm -hmm. just love sun with big flowers. And so, yeah, well, that's great that you're moving. That'll be really good.
3: Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we can move these. I have a lot of plants that I'm moving to, but obviously not right now. But um can't do it till they start exercising. yeah but but anyway well that's wonderful thank you so much for that information and i'll i'll follow through with that and uh, hopefully they'll survive
0: good and hey if they all survive make sure next year you call and tell everybody listening they survive. but don't call <laughs> if they die <laughs> okay
3: okay hey good good to, good talking to you
0: nice yeah, talking to you
3: holiday.
0: hey thanks yeah. a lot happy <laughs> holiday to you janet thank you all right, well, I just have a little time to go here, so uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a couple of things that are important to know. One is that I'm going to be on New Day, Monday at 11 o'clock on King 5, and I'm going to be talking about one of the coolest trees there is, in my opinion, out there. It's the Chief Joseph Pine. And uh, this pine, a hunter found it up in the Wall- Wallala Mountains, the Wallala I give up on that one, mountains down in Oregon. And um, it was the only tree ever found of the, of its kind. It's a pine tree that turns. It's actually uh, a short, it's a um, lodgepole pine that turns bright golden yellow in the winter. I have one in my garden. It's one of my all-time favorite plants ever. Just cheers up the winter like you never saw it, doesn't. It's not supposed to get over eight feet tall. Although I've pruned the living tweet a lot of mine already, but um, it only grows four inches a year, and uh, it's just one of the most magnificent plants I've ever seen. Uh, they um, they're expensive because they are one of a kind, and you'll. I'm going to tell some tips about growing them that you're going to want to hear. So that's New Day at eleven with Margaret Larson, my buddy, on uh, New Day on King Five. The other uh, thing I want to let you know is, hey, I'm not retiring or anything, but I'm not going to be here next week. I just remembered that. I am flying to Chicago, of all places, in the middle of winter to go to a family reunion. So I got to do this. It's really important for me to see my brother and sisters so, and other folks in the family. So uh, my great friend Marty Wingate's going to be hosting the show next week. And then I promise I'll stick around when I get back, no matter what. So I won't be going anywhere until I go to Morocco, but that's not till February. So, uh, so, uh, anyway, I just wanted to let you know about all of those. By the way, we're going to show some really cool pictures from Japan on New Day as well. Okay, this show's wrapping up. Brian, so great to work with you again. Nice being back. And, uh. Hey, everybody, you just get out there and do any gardening you can because it's pretty darn nice out. Might as well take advantage of it. But whatever you do, don't forget to eat your Brussels sprouts. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, or the next week.